live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Happy <laughs> late Easter. Ha- happy National Beer Day is oh. what you meant to say. Snap. Wow. Wow. How awesome is that? Are you I excited? I love it. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's... And we have to thank uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt for ending Prohibition on March yes. 22nd and giving us this most auspicious and amazingly wonderful holiday to celebrate. Do I sound as though I've been already celebrating? Thank you, Franklin. (laughs) Yay. It's so awesome. (laughs) I love beer day. You just, there's a place close to me called Mary's six pack. Okay. And you can go there and she has like, I think 400 bazillion different kinds of beer. If Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And she gives you this cheat this big sheet of paper with all her different four bazillion different kinds of beer on it. And you can make your own six packs. You buy like one offs of different kinds of beers and make your own six packs. And then you check off the ones that you've had. It's the most amazing place ever. We should get her as a sponsor. Oh, that would be fun. I think so. I think so as well. So I have to ask you, is your sheet all checked off? No, Okay. no, it's not. It's not. Um, because I don't get there quite as often as I'd like to see my local bar is like two blocks away. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's hard to get past so, that one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my cheers. You got to have your cheers, you know, That's true. where you walk in and everybody goes, Hey, hi, Tara. How are you? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and then they know to give you the craft beer menu as soon as you walk in the door and you always know who the new girl is. Cause she goes, I don't think we have a craft beer menu. And you go, Oh <laughs> yes, you do. I invented it. <laughs> ah, there's one with my name on it back there. <laughs> no, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I wasn't in your training manual? <laughs> <laughs> when this girl comes in. <laughs> Darn tootin. Oh, I'm so excited. It's such a great day. I'll tell you what, though. Did you see all this, the amazing things that went on for Easter? Yeah, I saw some. Yeah, there was some pretty fun family stuff going on at Easter time. Some of it was a little bit weird. Did you see uh, the Easter Chicks and Ties campaign that we did? Yes, I saw that. That was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, for Maddie Giordano. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And the first lady was rocking out on the stage, the big stage at the Easter egg roll. Right. Did you see that? Right. I saw her on a couple uh, morning shows, too, yesterday. She was just dancing up a <laughs> storm. She was dancing with the um, So You Think You Can Dance All-Stars oh. to, uh, to Uptown Funk. And it was, like, perfectly choreographed. And I have to tell you, they're the all-stars of So You Think You Can Dance. Mm-hmm. And she totally showed them up. 
that's great. It was awesome. I was so proud. And then you still had those a-holes, though, that were like, oh, you know, she ruined kids' lunches. <laughs> you know, you're, people like that are bringing down, like, the general intelligence quota for the entire country. And they should really <laughs> stop talking. I hear you. You didn't even pass history class if you aren't already familiar with the fact that the floatist can't pass a law. <laughs> so she can make suggestions. But if your state legislature and school board decides to take her up on those suggestions, then they're the dumbasses, not her. <laughs> Jeez, people and they're complaining about things that you don't need to complain about. When I was a little girl, Kelly, my dad said to me one time, don't make a problem where there isn't one. It just kind of flew out of his mouth because I was being a dramatic teenager and I was clearly making a problem where there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. And he said that to me and it was the one thing that I never forgot and I continue to say constantly over and over and over again in my head. Stop making a problem where there isn't one. And you know what I think? What I think? think I think with all of the crap that's been going on in the news and all of the things that we are creating news stories out of, we have become a nation of making a problem where there isn't one. I have to agree with you. It's insane. You know, I, I am 1,000% gay rights advocate. Uh-huh. 1,000%. Sure. And yet... If you go to a bakery and ask them to make you a cake and they say, no, I don't support your lifestyle, why would you force them to do anything? I would walk out of that place and say, screw you, you don't get my business, you don't get my support, you're not going to get the support of anyone who loves and cares about me, I'm going to support someone who loves me. Why can't we focus on supporting people instead of destroying them for their beliefs? Right. I, I don't get it. If I don't get it. And who wants a cake that somebody made them make for you? Right. Like, I don't want you begrudgingly making my wedding cake. That's got to have, like, some bad vibe to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I, I just, I really don't get it. I, I think that we put our nose in when it's easy. And we don't put our nose in when it's important. Oh, that is so true. It's so frustrating to me. Like this, this, uh, what you call it? The, um, well, we talked about Maddie Giordano with her suit and her mom being called abusive <laughs> by the store owner or the clerk. I don't even know if it was the store owner. I think it was just a clerk, but she posted it on Facebook that she considered that abusive, that the mother was abusing the daughter by allowing her to dress as a boy. And now in Louisiana, there's a high school senior. And she is a scholar. She's, she goes to a magnet school. She is a scholar in their medical program. And she is, a, um, she's, she is an outed lesbian and wanted to wear a suit to the high school prom. And when the school board found out about it, which is how did they find out about it? But anyway, when the yeah. school board found out about it, they said that she could not go to the prom. You're kidding, it, right? No, I'm not kidding at all. She wanted to wear a tuxedo. Not just a suit, mind you, a full-blown tuxedo. And the school board passed a dress code rule for the prom that says all females at the prom must wear dresses. That is so dumb. So dumb. Here is a star student who wants to wear a tuxedo to her prom. She wasn't even going with a date. 
she was going with a bunch of friends and you ban her this is a uh, i'm sorry that is that is a an episode of i stuck my nose in where it didn't belong right i made a problem where there wasn't one you know in the meantime there's you know there's this nanny who's beaten the three-year-old in the face with an ipad but nobody's supposed to get involved because she was just stressed out ick you know what i say congratulations to the guy who had the cojones to video her and then the group of people who stood up for that little boy and got her license plate number and turned her in. I say kudos to you for sticking your nose in where it did belong. Kudos. We need more of that. Kudos. Woohoo. <laughs> I like it. So this is funny. Kelly, did you have to do, when you were in school, did you have to do egg babies? Uh, yes. And, and. Sacks of flowers? Is that what else we did? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. The class after me had sacks of flour, but that only lasted one year. (laughs) (laughs) And we can all imagine why, (laughs) you know. But, uh, yeah, we had to do egg babies when we were. And here's the other thing. When I was taking the class, okay, you guys are going to, like, vomit a little bit when I tell this story. It's uh, my husband and I met in our marriage and the family class, and we had an egg baby that we had to raise together. Oh! Uh, uh. <laughs> I was gonna say that so that you know you kind of have that little relationship with whoever you were partnered up with, and you know you yeah. kind of went you kind of went with it. We kind of went with it for twenty seven years. <laughs> and two, a and two human babies. <laughs> so we have a marriage certificate. From we when we were seniors in high school in our marriage in the family class, and then we have our real one. Oh my gosh! That's oh my cute. gosh! Yeah, and that's and I had a substitute teacher, and we had to carry these egg babies around for two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And ours ours was named Sebastian, and uh, he was so cutely decorated. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, I was it was in my tenth uh, day, I think, of the two week thing, and. He had survived all that time, and I went into a classroom, and I had a substitute teacher, and she said, you're not bringing that into my classroom. And I said, what are you talking about? I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. It's an assignment from another class, and she smacked it out of my hand. No. Yes, she did, and it smashed all over the floor, and the only thing that made me happy about it was the smell that it left in her classroom because she oh. totally deserved that. Yeah, you know wow. who you are, jerk. Mrs. Benson, Mrs. Benson, the horrible substitute. I called you out 27 years later, right? So anyway, she killed my egg baby. So Chris and I had to write an 11-page report on child (laughs) abuse and neglect. Oh, no. (laughs) He wrote it. I didn't write nothing. Okay. I'm like, you write it. I took care of that baby all the time. You get to write the paper. (laughs) Daggummit. And that's how it should be in the real world, too. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but now they're so far beyond sacks of flour and little egg babies. I think it's because of the mess and the stench. Probably. Right. But so this one, I, this one school close to where I live in York, Pennsylvania, they gave them electronic babies. They mm-hmm. look so real. They're the size, the, the weight, the everything of a real baby. They're, they're a baby doll, but they're, like, weighted and filled with water, so they squish and stuff. Right. And uh, 
and they have these little microchips in them. So it tells the teachers like they can the teachers like plug them in and download all the data. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. So at the end of the course, like the teachers download, like, did you let the baby's head flop around? Did you shake the baby? Did you leave the baby in the car for the weekend? You know, all kinds. Did you change the baby when it needed to be changed? Did it cry too much? Was it in distress? Did its temperature get too high or too cold? It's crazy, right? So anyway, these teenagers are taking these babies everywhere they go with them, and they're getting all kinds of crazy, dirty looks and comments from people. And then they have to explain to the people that it's not they're not really teen parents. These are fake babies for school and like and some people are getting really offended but they're like the kids are like oh my gosh it's so realistic it's unbelievable how realistic it no wait a second don't get it twisted kiddos (laughs) you know just because you got you know baby cries a lot that you your mom gets to watch in the base from the baseball stands which you can make the baby you can program the baby to sleep at certain times So, like, the one student had pitching practice for baseball between 2 and 4 on a Saturday. So the teacher programmed the baby not to wake up between 2 and 4. Oh, if only that were real. (laughs) You know? Make it convenient around your life. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, and it goes to bed at – it goes to sleep at least between 1 and 2 a.m. on Sunday because they recognize that the students have to get up for school the next Mm -hmm. morning. I'm like, no, that thing needs to projectile vomit. Some of them need to have the croup. They need to poop, and it goes up their back and into their hair. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But only when they sense that they're not in the vicinity of your home. <laughs> <laughs> now now we're talking. Now we're talking about real baby experiences. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or, or it only screams when you're in public places, like it can sense right. when you're in public. Yeah. Then, then we would be talking about real babies. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, and I think that they should have to have something that, like, makes them extraordinary because it's a newborn baby, right? Okay. So they should have something that makes their genitals extraordinarily uncomfortable for a good two weeks. Oh, yeah. So now you have to take care of that baby while your boobs hurt and your (laughs) stuff hurts, you know, and you can't you can't go to the bathroom right for at least a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now we'll experience real childbirth, kiddos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. You have to put an alligator clip on your belly and, and, and simulate a C-section. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around all hunched over. Right? Exactly. Ugh. And then just when you're ready to fall asleep. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I think it's funny what we do with kids today and make them think that they're real parents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. I I almost forgot. I totally wanted to talk about this because so your your kids, you you give your daughter Easter basket. Yes. 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 Did you ever do you have relatives that give her stuff for Easter? My mother. Does she ever give her stuff that you absolutely don't want her to have? Um, no, no. Wow. (laughs) Congratulations for training your mom. (laughs) That's awesome. My relatives give my kids stuff we don't want them to have on purpose just because they think it's funny. Oh. Yeah. They're the ones that give them like the three foot tall candy cane filled with M&Ms at Christmas. 
Right. And then dare them to eat the whole thing by the time we leave the house. Right. Yeah, that's my family. Love it. So, so this mom, this mom in Oregon, she gets her kid one of these. It's a little toddler kid, so she gets him one of these smart shot things where you can throw the balls at the hoop and then the lights light up and bling, bling, bling. And it's so cute. Mm-hmm. And, and she goes to put it together and not all the pieces are there. And she's looking and she finds these bags in the bottom of the box. And it's it's weed. It's pot. It's Mary oh. Juana. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. She got in the clearance section at Walmart. <laughs> so so apparently somebody bought it, and then they hid their weed in there, and then they returned it. Oh, man. <laughs> I was holding it for the toddler next door. It's not mine. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I get fun stuff like that in my toys? You have to make sure you always get something that's already been opened. If you want an extra prize. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sort of like Cracker Jacks, but different. Yeah, right. It gets <laughs> jacked up in a different kind of way. <laughs> so in Washington, that's what they give in the Cracker Jacks now. Woohoo! <laughs> ah. Uh, oh, I'm in a good mood. I'm excited because when we come back from our first break, we're going to be talking to uh, Jameson. Mercier, and I always want to pronounce his name Jameson because that's my favorite. Well, I'm Irish, ah. so I have to love Jameson. So, yeah, but he's a he's a social worker and a life coach, and he's going to be talking to us about uh, you know the whole um, Mister Mom syndrome and and how that's affecting dads and all of that good stuff. And then uh, in our third segment, we're going to be talking with Jake Green from Millennial Parents. Yay. Oh my gosh, I'm such a fan. And it's dad day. And it's dad day. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I have a little bit of a web TV crush on Jake Green. I can imagine. I do. And his He's... shows are so funny. There's yeah. a girl in him, I think. I'm pretty right. sure. But no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but if you, oh gosh, did you ever watch Millennial Parents? It's awesome. Yes, I've seen them. Oh, my gosh. They make me laugh until I pee in my pants, which isn't really hard to do today because it's National Beer Day. So so peeing in your pants is something that comes easy. But uh, yeah, but but until we get to Jake, we're going to talk. We're going to be talking to Jameson Mercier when we come back from this break about, you know, that whole fatherhood thing. When we come back. studio which is why tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors homeschooling have questions get your pen and paper ready it's the sociable homeschooler vivian mcninney fridays at five four central on toginet.com after a handsome blue-eyed texan fell in love with vivian at the victoria station in london she found herself at dfw airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. 
This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I am so, so excited for our first guest, Jameson Mercer, Mercier, sorry, um, because he's a licensed uh, social worker and a life coach, but um, he also works with people with marriage counseling issues. And um, for Dad Day, I really love that we can bring dads onto the show because I don't think in parenting we do enough of that. And I love when we can bring dads onto the show and really give us a perspective of the integral parts and pieces that dads play in parenting and how to get them more involved. So, Jameson, hi. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How about you? I am doing great. I'm doing really good. I love Dad Day. It's like my favorite show of the month to do, actually. I have I have to commend you because that is something, <laughs> like you said in your intro, you do not see a whole lot of, uh, particularly on the parts of mothers. So hats off to you. Hey, thanks. And hats mm-hmm. off to you because, you know, we couldn't be moms without dads. So... <laughs> <laughs> You have you have a, a pretty strong opinion about how fatherhood has kind of changed and morphed over the years, don't you? Well, I do, I do, and you know we can't ignore um, that it has it has changed, and I guess and, and I'm, I think it will continue to change, but it looks nothing like it used to, um, even from I guess our parents' generation. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's so funny because when my mom was alive and she would tell me stories about my childhood and my and when she even gave birth to me, Uh my dad wasn't there. My dad wasn't even part (laughs) of the equation. It's like, you know, there was a room that the dads waited in if they wanted to stay at the hospital. I mean, you could always go down to the local bar or whatever, go hang out with your friends. And then you would get the news that the baby was born and you would come back and you would look at it through glass, Uh you know. And uh, like picking a lobster, and, <laughs> and and that was pretty much the beginning of how that whole relationship went. Yeah, you're absolutely and, right. You know, not now. In the contrast, today, um, it's expected in a lot of cases for dads to be present, uh, start to finish. And do you, you think know? that that's healthier? Do you think that that creates a different type of bond with their child? Well. 
The child, perhaps, but definitely it, it does something for the month for the parents. Um, you know, to be able to experience that as a couple, you know, not just mom is going through labor and I show up after, that is an experience that you will have forever that you can't replicate, that no one else can speak on but the two of you. And for dads, you know, afterwards to be able to say, you know, I saw my kid come into this world and I also, you know, was able to either cut the umbilical cord or to wrap him, whatever the case was, that does something with parents, um, with fathers in particular. Because the thing about dads, dads typically don't bond with the kids in the womb like mothers do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do that. And I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, we talk to the belly and we, we hope they hear and, you know, can't wait to meet them. But the real bonding for a lot of fathers doesn't really begin until after birth. And even then, some dads, you know, they may struggle to adjust to that. So if that can get started relatively quick, relatively early, uh, that does, it goes a long way to help fathers out. I have um, I have spoken with a lot of dads who have had issues where they felt like they just couldn't, they weren't bonding with their baby. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I can see, I can see that bond between my child and my, my spouse, but I just don't have that same connection. I'm not feeling that same connection. And when I talk to fathers who were actually part of the birthing process, that connection seems to happen a lot stronger, a lot sooner than... Yeah, you know, it, the fact that, and you know, I mean, I, this is me speaking for, as an outside observer. You know, I'm fortunate that my wife provided me with three kids. And having been a part of all three of their births, you know, it's it's hard work. And when couples can endure something like that uh, together, mm-hmm. it really does a lot um, for the relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to say that we struggle as much, but, you know, just to be I was hoping you struggle. were going to say that. <laughs> no, 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 by no means. I mean, other than my hand and my fingers, um, I think I might have lost some buttons on my shirt one time. Uh, no, no, it's nothing like mother's experience. It's so funny, though, because I... Um, the first person that my son saw was my husband and he will never let anyone forget that. And that's, and and that's really cool to me, you know, because yeah, there's so many other things that I get to experience. He needed that. He needed that connection. And I'm so glad that he had it. Uh, Do you think that, um, do you think that it's important that dads take more time to stay home with their kids? Like, my husband stayed home for a couple days after our children were born. You know, that was all his paternity leave would allow him. It was basically he had to take vacation days. Do you think that we should allow fathers to take a, a, a paternal leave of absence from their you jobs? Know, I absolutely would, would, would say that dads should get some kind of paternal um, leave. Um, you know, now that isn't to say that that's where it ends. You know, I think the overall idea is for fathers to be more more involved and whatever work or schedule would allow as much as possible, I definitely think, you know, that that should be a part of it. And for some people, it does mean um, 
being in uh, being home with the kids. Uh, in my in my case, I, I was able to do that, um, and you know I loved every moment of it. Um, it's a big part of you know my work and my mission now. But I think the key idea is just for dads as much as possible um, to be involved, have a few days off from work, even when they do go back to work, um, just, you know, not kind of fall off the equation. Mm. Yeah, because I can tell you, I was, uh, I didn't realize at the time that I was experiencing postpartum depression, but when I look Mm. back on it now, I can really see where those things happen. I became like a hermit, you know, and the only people I wanted to be around was my baby and my husband. And when he went back to work and he was gone for extended periods at a time, I was, I was so sad. I was so depressed. I don't even know how I functioned, you know, in those, in those first couple weeks after he went back to work, but I couldn't tell him that I couldn't really tell anyone that, but when he was there, I was empowered. Like I, I felt really good about my family and what I was contributing, even though I wasn't working. I felt really uh-huh. good about what I was contributing, but it was only when he was there. So oh, I don't think awesome. a lot of dads, I don't think enough dads realize how appreciated and needed they are when a new well, baby comes into the relationship. You're absolutely right, you know, because it isn't expected that fathers either want to be or they need to be. Um, And a lot of dads have kind of bought into that idea that, you know, well, I just, now that he's here, Junior's here, Susie's here, I I have to go home now, go to work now, and just be, go back to being a provider. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's essentially you know, how a lot of society looks at dads and the role they play within the family. Do you think that that's why a lot of dads are, um, I don't know how to say it really, but there's, when we look at single parents, it's like, it's an overwhelming majority of them are moms. Mm -hmm. It's like in the 80% of single parents that are caring for their child are moms. Do you think that dads are stepping away from the equation more and more because they don't feel needed? A lot of fathers do feel like they're not needed. Um, The idea of caring and nurturing and providing for children has been relegated to just strictly mothers um, when I know tons of dads who do great jobs of providing care. But a lot of times we laugh at the idea that how is, you know, a father caring for one, two, or even three children or two girls, you know, what's he, how can he even begin to think that he's capable? (laughs) Right. So they're not even given a, a chance half the time, you know, it's automatically assumed that mothers, um, are much better caregivers and, and you and I both know that, that, it's not true. There are cases where some women, you know, struggle, and there are mm-hmm. cases where men excel in caregiving. It's so amazing to me that when you see a situation in the news where uh, a father is left with his children, left motherless with his children, all of Parent Nation wants to swoop in and save him. You know, you've you've got mothers from all over the country wanting to bake him cookies and make dinners and take his kids to practices and do all of these things. But you so very rarely hear that when it's a mom. No, 
No. I, I, I have a buddy of mine who had the same experience where, you know, when he was caring for his girls, it was automatically assumed that he needed help with changing diapers and and uh, bottle feedings. And he, you know, took offense to that because, you know, it, uh, it it's not that I'm incapable. It's just I'm never given the opportunity. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It, yeah. So we do need to offer dads a chance. And if they mess up, hey, you know, let them. But dads are perfectly capable. You know, children are much more durable than a lot of people realize. <laughs> True story. Mm-hmm. Have have you seen a big shift in the number of dads who are role reversing and staying home and playing the the parent the at home parent role where, while mom goes to work? Yeah, that is something that has been happening easily. Uh, I, I want to say within the last decade, that shift has been uh, trending upward, um, and I didn't really notice it until I was in in a situation where I was home just feeling like some sort of anomaly. But dads are, 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 and not just necessarily with the stay-at-home dad movement, but dads are, you know, deciding to be more involved and be home even if it's for a a, a short time. Um, You know, women, the moms, they would like to perhaps go back to school or a second career. Um, or dads just want to be the one to do it, and they're like, "Hey, you know, let me allow you, give me permission." Aww. and see, that's so funny to me because I feel like dads have to ask permission a thousand times more than moms do. Oh, absolutely! It's, uh, yeah, par- particularly with caregiving, because again, it's not something that um, it, it's not something they feel that they have a right to, almost, which is sad. Um, you know, and even when they're given permission, sometimes you know it's it's uh, it's we mothers will still kind of watch and supervise, and it's not really being given permission. They they tend to hover just to make sure that it's done right. In my mm. air quotes. Right. <laughs> we micromanage ourselves into like these insanely stressful levels of life. And then we complain that we're trying to manage from insanely stressful levels of life. Yeah. When, if, <laughs> you know, it's it, that's become the buzzword. I'm so busy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sorry I didn't respond to your text, but I'm so busy. I, life is so busy. And if we would just step back and let dads do what dads do. And there are, it's unfortunate that moms feel so overworked and stressed out and burned out because a lot of dads are willing, and in many cases they've even suggested, hey, you know, babe, hun, I will do this. You know, I will take them to school. Um, but the moms, in many cases, not all, do feel that it has to be them to do it. Mm. I think, well, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I am, my, my husband is an amazing father. And yet if he handles a situation in a way that I feel like I'm going to have to clean up the repercussions of later, (laughs) (laughs) then I'm just, I just sit there and go, Oh my gosh, why don't you just let me handle the parenting? I, and I know that it's not fair to him and I know that it's not healthy for our relationship. And yeah, yet, so you're normal. That that's all that means. Mm, 
You need to tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be glad to. You know, there's a very neat book I came across. This is a kid's book, actually. It's called Dads Do It Different. And, you know, while it's a kid's book, I really think moms would uh, benefit from from reading a book, from reading that very same book. And it's okay that dads do it different. It so is. Because kids need different you know, yeah. there's yes. certain things that my my husband is uniquely qualified to teach my sons. And, you know, there were things that my dad was uniquely qualified to teach me as his daughter, that as much as my mom loved me and as much as I love my kids, I can't be both male and female to them. I can't be both mother and father to them as much as I'd like to say that I can and be and put on that super mom cape. Mm-hmm. It's simply not realistic. It's it's not doable. No, and, and you know, a lot of single moms in particular find themselves in that same dilemma. And, you know, I grew up, you know, my father passed when I was young, so I just had my mother. And, you know, I've heard, you know, the mantra, I have to be both mom and dad. And, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's and, and it's even worse when you think, you know, your mom, dad is here but you feel like you also should do his job that doesn't make any sense oh i love i love the whole concept of letting moms off the hook i really love that oh my gosh could you imagine we are (laughs) out of time jameson but this was so much fun and i'm so glad that you joined us and i want people to connect with you on our facebook page we're going to put your website and everything up on facebook so they can connect with you and when we come back from this break This has been fun. I'm glad. We come back. We're going to talk to Jake Green from Millennial Parents after this break. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and... Special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for my next guest. We, um, If you are familiar with uh, YouTube web TV programs, one of my favorites and one that I've been watching for a while now is Millennial Parents because it just totally cracks me up. And it's so true. And yet I'm not a millennial, but I can still completely relate. So I am so excited to have Jake Green here with us, who is he's one of the writers and also stars in the show. So with Natalie Irby. So hi, Jake. Are you there? I'm there. Thanks for having me. Little, little clarification. So I created Millennial Parents, but I'm not one of the stars of it. Okay, so you're the creator of it. Yeah, I created it, and I, I, I created it, and I, I write it. And um, Natalie Irby is actually my co-director, and she uh, produces it, and also edits it and shoots it. And so our, our cast is Lee Coco and Laura Eichhorn, and they're they're wonderful. So I'm still going to say that I totally have a crush on you anyway. Even though, <laughs> if you saw, if you saw, today is one of those days where life imitates art, and I have a. Um, as I talk to you right now, I am sort of bouncing around my house with a a one year old on my hip because I got a last second call that the nanny is uh, the nanny is out sick, and it's it's been you know it's one a of those perfect days. time to discuss millennial parent issues as the. I, I am awkwardly work-life balancing both literally and figuratively as I <laughs> hop around my house on one foot. That's awesome. If you had a beer in the other hand, you would look totally like <laughs> me when I was a parent. Oh, my gosh. If I, no, that's, just, that's, just, <laughs> that's just an unfair image to put in my mind. I've, it, it's, it's like an oasis at the end of the desert. <laughs> um, it's, it's National Beer it, Day. It's totally legit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna. You're you're about to lose me for the rest of this interview, but uh, I'll do what I can to hang on. <laughs> no. So tell us about the show. What inspired you to write it and create it? Well, sure. So I've been I've been developing for television and doing digital stuff um, for the last five years or so. And uh, Natalie Irby and I had done a couple of projects together, sort of independently produced um, web series and stuff, and. Uh, it, it was such. I've been looking at millennials for a long time. I'm I'm sort of the oldest end of the millennials, and it's having kids. When I started having kids, I realized that there was this this weird, awkward pressure to stay cool that preceding generations had not had to deal with. And it wasn't just it wasn't just um, that you know we wanted to like stay current with music and all of this stuff, but it's that we wanted to feel like we were as unique and with it as we had been before we had kids and it's just not possible to do it's sort of you can't tap out of pop culture like preceding generations did and i saw sort of an entire generation of people trying to toe the line between cool older brother and creepy uncle with disastrous results and i really wanted to sort of tackle that topic (laughs) and you do it so well oh my gosh just some of the things 
I'm not a millennial. Okay, I'm 45 years uh-huh. old. But I can completely relate. I think because so many of the parents that I work with that are struggling the most are millennials because of exactly uh-huh. what you just said. And so I can so relate to some of the conversations that they're having because you do. You go through this thing where, like, you're supposed to be cool and you're supposed to be, like, you know, the envy of, of all of your friends and be that perfect parent that you knew you would be before you had kids. And then, like, you wind up having conversations like the the honesty, I posted that one on on Parent Nation today. The honesty right, one. Right. Oh my gosh! So like, just be completely honest with me. But no, like, I don't want you to be completely honest with me, you jerk. Like, are you kidding me? And then like, you, yeah. And it's parenting makes your brain go in directions that I don't think a lot of people realize. And it's not possible to be cool while you're trying to clean puke off of your cake. Right. You know. Right. Right. Well, hold on. I just picked up a time bomb. One second. One second. It's, you know, it's the, what's interesting is that we live in an age where everyone is, everyone is sort of lying a little bit, right? Because when you think about social media, everyone is putting out a, a story or narrative that they want people to accept as fact. And it's one thing to do it for yourself, and it's hard to curate and manage that sort of individual brand. When you have a family in the age of social media, it's next to impossible to control the message. And then add to the fact that you're, you're sharing in, in many situations, you're sort of partnering with someone who might have a different spin on how they want that brand to look. And it mm-hmm. just ends up very sort of frantic and confused. And, and some of the, you know, we had, we did an issue or we did a, uh, an episode where a photographer posted a family portrait on Facebook uh, without telling Kurt and Annie that, that the photographer did it and got all the likes and comments on, on her page so that Kurt <laughs> couldn't get them on his page, and he was furious that she stole his premiere. And, <laughs> and it's sort of, that's really, I mean, that's just, those are real conversations. <laughs> and then the roller coaster land one where oh jeez yeah where Annie wants to go to roller coaster land and Kurt basically says no you don't you just want the pictures and then it's, the, I mean <laughs> I, I'm sorry what did you say I loved when he said you know the about do you remember the picture on the jungle gym and she's like yeah that was beautiful and he goes the baby was nine months old there's no way that was real and then you just go holy crap like. You people are masterful at Photoshop. How do I know that anything you put out there is real anymore? So it, it was right. It's sort of you see. You know, you can. I saw a bunch of Disneyland pictures that looked like Norman Rockwell happiest shot on earth this winter, and I knew there was a measles outbreak and it was raining at the time that those pictures came out. There's just no way. There's no way that that was an accurate reflection of how the day was going, and so it's. So what's interesting is there are a lot of people for whom having a good time is less important than having pictures that suggest you had a great time. (laughs) And it just creates, it creates this awkwardness. And you sort of say, well, are we living, are we then living for um, appreciation by our network of family and friends? Or are we, you know, trying to be in the moment? It takes the conversation about trying to be present, you know, to a whole different level. That's so awesome. How is your? How have people been receiving the shows? People have been really excited about Millennial Parents. We actually we just picked up a, uh, a Best Writing in a Comedy Award from LA Web Fest last weekend. Um, we've gotten wonderful press. 
our 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 audience has been coming back and is bombarding us with requests for season three. I mean, when when we set out to make the show, what we wanted to do, the reason all of our episodes are two minutes or less, is we wanted to sort of replicate the digestible bites of, of the Sunday morning comics from, from the newspaper. The idea that it's something that you can pick up, you can consume it quickly, hopefully you, there's a relationship touch point that you want to share with other people, and then you can either, you know, binge the rest of the series or you can go about the rest of your day. Um, but people are so busy that for us, the idea was, why don't we spend a lot of time doing a great two minutes as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, bang out a, a bunch of short films that are 10, 12 minutes, which people, frankly, don't have the attention span for. Right. And, you know, it's when I first started watching them, the first thing that came to my mind was my favorite shows, my favorite family sitcoms like, you know, Home Improvement and The Cosby Show and, you know, all of those really great tongue in cheek, awesome parenting shows that, you know, they were only awesome because of the way they handled their screw ups, you know, which is. (laughs) Well, if you look, there's actually there are a couple of, you know, it's a great sort of generational divide thing. Right. But but. Tim Allen is is a baby boomer who has some of the tendencies that our our main our our male lead Kurt has, and that you know when Tim Allen was screwing up at his finest in, on Home Improvement, I don't I haven't watched a lot of his new show, but on Home Improvement it was because he kept trying to create these new and unique solutions that no one else had ever thought of before, <laughs> and uh, and and Kurt tries to do that with much simpler things. Hold on one second. I just uh, hey, it's I'm, it's I'm, live radio. It's it's kind of what we. I'm expect. plugging a uh, I'm plugging a grenade right now. One <laughs> second. Um, and and Kurt really does that too because what he's doing is he sees he he sort of really wants to be unique, like a lot of millennials do, where where it's not necessarily about achievement; it's about achieving in a different way. And so, you know, the idea of sort of following directions or or doing things the way, you know, finding the best answer to a question for him is he'd much rather ask a totally different question and try to sort of take a home run swing and wow people. And that was really the core of what Tim Allen did. And then Annie, our mother in the show, she's really having trouble accepting the fact that she's just not as sophisticated as she was when she was dialed into, you know, 20-some-odd news sites a day and was really plugged in. And so when she really gets in trouble is when she tries to fake that she's as connected as she used to be. And she'll <laughs> just try to talk her way out of it with sort of disastrous results. And, and so that's, it's, it's really been fun um, sort of exploring those core identity issues and, and building episodes around them. It's super fun for me because when I started watching them, um, it was when I was having like a particularly stressful day. And I was looking up. I was looking up parenting comedy. Like I, I typed it. I went into YouTube and I was I was typing in like funny parenting videos and stuff like that, right? And yours popped up, and I watched it. And seeing the the comedy of errors in everyday crap that we literally all deal with, it just mm-hmm. like it, it took my day in a different direction. It really made me realize that I don't have to be perfect because my kids right. don't expect me to be perfect. And if I can see the humor and what goes on from day to day, um, 
it's going to make everybody's life a whole heck of a lot easier. And I think that's one of the things that you address too, is, you know, like to your point, Annie's trying to be this textbook, you know, follow the expert kind of parent. And Kurt's like, you know, why can't I sing rap songs to the kid, you know, if, if that's going to calm them down. And those are the kind of things that I'm like, you know, I, we have to stop taking ourselves so seriously as parents and just let this whole thing be fun. Cause what else is the point if you can't, you know? Yeah. I, I really appreciate the, those comments and that, that sort of hits it. We did, we did an episode called, um, are we cooler than our parents in which Kurt and Annie are sort of lounging and discussing whether they're cooler than, than their parents were when they had kids. And it really evolves into a discussion of what their adjective should be. If they can't be cool, um, what should they be? And, and it's, it's tough to figure out, and no one wants to pick, no one wants to be characterized as one thing. You know, it's, it's funny because we're, we're sort of in an age in which we don't want to be defined, especially millennials don't want to be defined um, as being part of any one group or any one type of person. And yet we'll let our computers tell us exactly who we are, what we should look, what we should look at, what we should buy, and we just sort of accept that. It's sort of, it's just we're, we're in an age of, really hilarious contradictions for people who are trying to act as though they have it all together, which, again, is another product, I think, of the social media age because the feeds that you see from everybody online suggest that they have it all together, even though everybody's kind of lying about it. And so <laughs> everyone, so you, you have this, you know, you have this stream of very, very happy headlines, but under the surface, everybody is just sort of flailing and scrambling. <laughs> The first thing I thought of when you said that was we won't allow an expert to tell us what kind of parent we are. You know, we, we fight that tooth and nail, but yet we'll take 4,000 quizzes on Facebook to tell us what kind of personality we have, you know, what island we right. should live on. What right. we, it's it's you, insane. We're like, you know, I'm a Jedi Knight. If you, I, I would be a Jedi Knight if I was a Star Wars character. Right. It's like you can <laughs> – how dare you belittle me by suggesting, uh, you know – by suggesting what type of parent I am, um, but you know, some guy in India has determined that I'm a, a German Shepherd Golden Retriever mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh my gosh, we just need more of that. We need more quizzes like that for parents on Facebook. I think that would be awesome. It's like you know what? You know what's funny? One of the one of the things um, one of the things I found. Uh, was kind of hilarious when I it started after I turned 30 and then when I started having kids really sort of hit me was you know the the suggestions that I was getting from Facebook and from Pandora and from all of these websites on things that I should check out was really conflicting with the image that I had of myself right I sort of had to come to this realization that Drive time rush hour radio, which I used to think of as sort of flashback crap, was now geared specifically toward me, and they were hitting the mark. And and it's just the the idea that okay, now I'm the guy in the Volkswagen who's like dancing awkwardly to Montel Jordan's "This Is How We Do It," um, <laughs> and and there's a whole generation of kids who've never heard that song. I mean, you just have to accept. I, it was it was a really tough transition to accept that I was. I was no longer a young guy. I was just a guy. <laughs> oh, God, that's so hard. That's really, really hard to accept. 
I don't know. I, I love the way you guys do it. I love the way you put it out there. I really, really hope that everybody who's listening will take the time to go to Millennial Parent on YouTube and check it out. There's like uh, there's like a hundred and some episodes on there. There's no loss <laughs> for hilarity, and and I so am excited for season three. I can't wait until it comes out. And you've got to keep us posted. We have to stay connected on Facebook, and on I'm going to keep posting the videos up on Parent Nation because you know. It, if we if we keep taking ourselves so seriously, we're just going to burn the hell out, and none of our kids deserve that. So we need to make this thing so much more fun. And I so thank you, Jake, for taking this time, even while you're trying to balance babies and beers and dorms <laughs> and dogs and all kinds of other stuff. It just goes to show that you really are living what you what you're putting out there. So thank you so much for that, Parent Nation. I thank you so much for hanging with us this week and join us next week. Until then, keep playing. Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein. Want more real talk for real parents? Seriously, Parent Nation, not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling